from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. VK4 Baker Baker at the mic with another edition of WIA and the National News Service from VK1WIA. A historical day, the first RS contact with Yota. The chair of the IARU Region 1 Youth Working Group, Lisa, PA2LS, described Monday, July 18 as a historical day for youth and amateur radio. In the Youngsters on the Air camp in Austria, the first Yota contact ever was made with the International Space Station. More than 100 young radio amateurs from about 30 countries were taking part. 20 of the young hams had the chance to talk to astronaut Jeff Williams, KD5TVQ. We'll have more on Yota further down the log. VK2 radio operator off-air and fined $3,000. The latest reminder to radio operators from one Australian court is this. Before you get on the air, whether for amateur or commercial purposes, get a licence. It's alleged a Dan Morris, a pirate radio operator in a suburb of the Gong in New South Wales, was fined for illegally operating a reggae station in the commercial FM band. According to published reports, the Australian Communications and Media Authority discovered he was operating from his home base station using about 150 watts on 99.4, and so they raided his home earlier in the year. Magistrate Michael Stoddart fined Morris a total of $3,000. He was charged with possessing and operating radio communication devices without a licence. He told the court that he'd looked into getting a licence in the aftermath of the raid but that request was denied by the ACMA. It's on again the 2016 Victorian Alpine Cross-Country Radio Mini Expedition. On Friday the 29th of July, several hardy amateurs will depart Melbourne and drive up to Falls Creek to ski out across the remote Bogong High Plains over four days. Situated on the rooftop of Victoria, the snow conditions are looking pretty decent with good coverage at elevations above 1,400 metres. After leaving their vehicles... The participants will be using cross-country gear to ski through this harsh, beautiful, icy landscape that soars up to 1,800 metres above sea level and includes several of the state's highest peaks. Once again, the team will be led by VK3SN and VK3GT and utilise ultralight solar-powered QRP rigs to operate on all bands from 160 metres through to 70 centimetres using homebrew antennas. If you'd like to make a contact with these snowbound adventurers, listen out on 40 metres each afternoon and 80 metres each evening, or see if you can work them via local VHF or UHF repeaters. Are you an amateur radio user or user? Whether it be the WIA, your local club, show your support in a tangible way. Support the providers you utilise. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH with a few things for you to think on. With one face-to-face board meeting and a couple of teleconferences now completed, the board has set sail for the 2016-2017 year, which is already looking very busy. Having chosen a suitable and affordable governance training program for all directors, the board can now concentrate on other issues facing the WIA. Developing a budget for the remainder of 2016 and projecting that into 2017 will require thoughtful consideration. Seeking out and implementing cost savings that don't affect services is high on the list of priorities, 
while exploiting new opportunities and sources for generating income are equally as important. Now, that's not code for a hike in the membership subscription. However, fresh ways of promoting new memberships and encouraging renewals are also on the agenda. Membership is important at this time as the WIA enters into discussions with the ACMA over licensing conditions and spectrum bans, not to mention the amateur services community role and standing with the coming of the new Radio Communications Act. Why is membership important? Because we are all in this together. What the Spectrum Strategy Committee succeeds in achieving will benefit all radio amateurs, including, and especially, those not yet licensed. One thing we have noticed since undertaking restructuring of the National Office operations late last year is that many amateurs who were once licensed decades ago are returning to the hobby. They've been calling the National Office and inquiring how to get their licence back and a new call sign. So, think about this. There are many situations where you know or discover a colleague or acquaintance who once held a call sign. They may well be amenable to being encouraged to return to amateur radio. If each of us who have been in the hobby for some time took the opportunity, wherever it arose, to encourage a lapsed amateur to return to the hobby, the number of licensees would noticeably increase, and so would the number of those active on the air. The world of amateur radio today is so much more diverse and laden with fascinating fields to explore that were never available even a dozen years ago, let alone 20 or more years. This is the project I introduced back in the first week of January. I called it Bring Them Back. There are many situations where individuals have let their interest in amateur radio lie dormant. Bring them back to the hobby and encourage them to join the WIA. Tell them that the Institute is about advocacy, education and support. That's what we do. It's not the WIA of yesteryear that they knew. Look out for the opportunities to bring them back. You'll be doing something positive for the hobby. Do you know the date when your licence is due to expire? Do you rely on receiving a renewal notice from the Australian Communications and Media Authority? It is every licensee's responsibility to ensure that your licence is paid up by or before the renewal date. The ACMA is not obliged by legislation to send a reminder notice to renew your licence. However, the ACMA's process is to send a renewal notice a few weeks before the licence is due to expire. It will be sent to the last valid postal or email address that the ACMA has on record. The ACMA sends notices as a courtesy reminder and to facilitate payment of the renewal fee. It is your responsibility to keep your email, postal and residential address current with the ACMA to receive renewal notices. It is recommended that you note your licence renewal date in your diary. If you don't run a hard copy diary, use the one in your mobile phone or your tablet, laptop or PC or all of them. Some people have taken the step to change their licence renewal date to their birthday, or a date close to their birthday. If your birthday falls on Christmas Day or New Year's Day, you have to be a bit creative. If, for some reason, you don't receive a renewal notice in the month leading up to your licence expiry date, you can request one by contacting the ACMA Customer Service Centre on 1300 850 115. That's 1300 850 115 or email 
info at acma.gov.au. Should you not renew your licence by the due date, there is a window of opportunity up to 60 days when you can renew your licence by paying the licence fee without penalty. Miss that window and your call sign will be available for reissue and it can be a pain to get it back. More information is available on the WIA website. Just enter Renewal of Licences in the search window and the link is at the top of the list. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. What use is an F-call? During the week I had the opportunity to hear several people use a radio in day-to-day communications. In this particular instance it was a water taxi speaking to their base. They were using their own frequency and essentially used it to coordinate their activities across their coverage area. Listening with an amateur ear, if there is such a thing, I noticed that there was a lot of back and forth miscommunications and misunderstandings. We take for granted, once we've learned, that there is a sequence in successful radio communications. Consistency, brevity, simple vocabulary, microphone handling, antenna placement, handheld use and the like. It's not the first time I've noticed that. I wondered if there was a way that we as amateurs can actually extend our wings beyond our hobby and share some procedural skills that we almost take for granted. We often lament that amateur radio is declining in its scope, size and community involvement. Perhaps radio skills are something that we might share around. Wouldn't it be great if we could share our airwaves with others who also know how to communicate on air? I know I'll be monitoring some commercial frequencies from now on to see if there are things that I could do as an amateur to make help radio communications more reliable and less stressful for the various users of the radio spectrum. Perhaps it could be a new activity to add to the wide range that amateur radio represents. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. Across Australia from VK1WIA, You're tuned to the WIA National News Service in VK5. It can be heard on VK5 RLZ on 439.975 MHz at 0900 hours Sunday. I'm Alan, VK5, Mike Alpha Kilo. WIA International News. Authorities in Bahrain have notified the IARU that the Amateur Radio Association of Bahrain... ARAB is not authorised to represent Bahrain Radio Amateurs internationally. At the IARU Region 1 Executive Committee meeting held in May, Chairman Don Beatty, Gulf 3 Bravo Juliet, said he had told Bahrain authorities that initial recognition of ARAB as an IARU member society was based on confirmation by authorities in Bahrain that ARAB was authorised to represent amateur radio interests. In view of the recent exchanges and the fact that there was no one answering mail from ARAB, it was agreed to move toward placing ARAB in suspension, the May meeting minutes recount. Until a valid application is received from an appropriate entity in Bahrain, there will be no member society for that country. We understand that the club station, Alpha 92 Charlie, has been dismantled. New European Table of Frequency Allocations 
a new edition of the European Table of Frequency Allocations in the range of 8.3 kHz to 3 GHz has been released. The table is maintained by the SEPT Working Group Frequency Management. Much of the work is carried out by the SEPT European Communications Office on behalf of WGFM and a fully searchable electronic version of the European Common Allocation, ECA table, can be found on the ECO Frequency Information System site. Earthing and the Radio Amateur. Recently, Ono, in his segment, What Use is an F-Call, brought us the importance and dangers associated with earthing. Now we learn the RSGB EMC committee has made available a new leaflet about earthing which discusses the background to the safety issues involved in connecting a radio frequency earth to an amateur radio installation and directs the reader to the appropriate sections of the current IET wiring regulations. Ofcom propose using ham radio band for Wi-Fi. Ofcom is consulting on plans to put Wi-Fi across amateur and amateur satellite spectrum in the 5 GHz band. The UK's Ofcom consultation document implies that amateur satellites in 5 GHz only operate in very low Earth orbits. This is false. Radio amateurs have sent 5 GHz payloads into far higher orbits. Examples are the Venus Orbiter Unitech 1, which operated on 5.840 GHz, and AO40, which is in a 58,836 km high Earth orbit, HEO. The 5 GHz band will also be used by the Geosynchronous Phase 4B payload and the HEO Phase 3E satellite, both of which are currently under construction. Ofcom's proposal to use 5725 to 5850 MHz for Wi-Fi would adversely affect reception of the network of amateur weak signal propagation beacons. International Tribunal rules against China's claims regarding South China Sea reefs. An international tribunal ruling discounting China's claims with respect to Scarborough Reef and the Spratleys could complicate efforts to mount another de-expedition to the rare and remote South China Sea DXCC entities. The Permanent Court of Arbitration in The Hague has ruled in favour of the Philippines in a dispute with China over Scarborough Reef, also known as Scarborough Shoal. The last de-expedition to Scarborough was the 2007 Bravo Sierra 7 Hotel operation. A 2016 de-expedition has been reported to be in the works. 10-4 Good Buddy, Radio Hams visit 10 Downing Street. Radio amateurs were invited to a reception at the UK Prime Minister's residence to celebrate the successful mission of UK astronaut Tim Peake, Kilo Golf 5, Bravo Victor India, slash Golf Bravo 1, Sierra Sierra. Sandringham school student Jessica Lee, Mike 6 Lima Papa Juliet, and her head teacher Alan Gray, Golf 4 Delta Juliet X-Ray, attended the event with Tim Peake. Jessica was the first UK school student to establish amateur radio communications with Tim Peake during his six-month mission on the International Space Station. The contact took place on January 8, 2016, and was featured on national TV and the press. For WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. From the weird and wonderful files comes a story of talking flowers. It seems that bees use a lot of tools to find nectar produced in flowers like visual cues and chemical signs. Now it's been discovered that bees can also detect weak electrical signals that the flowers give off. 
Flowers have a static electrical field located in the petals that pull on the hair of the bee, just like the party trick of an electrostatically or rubbed balloon sticking to other objects. The National Academy of Sciences in the USA has been told about findings that bees sense the electric signals. Biomechanics engineer Gregory Sutton and sensory biophysics researcher Erica Morley have reported that bees are using a mechanical receptor to home in on nectar from flowers. Air doesn't conduct electricity very well, as we know, so the hair on a bee is moved in response to the electrical static field, which then causes the nerve impulses from the bottom of that hair. The discovery came after putting bees through an experiment involving bees and ten built flower-like objects. The bees went to the flowers, emitting an electrical field, while the others were ignored. And here's the kicker. When the voltage causing the electrical field was turned off, the bees simply buzzed off to forage elsewhere. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. The 36th Alara contest will be held on August 27th and 28th. There have been some significant changes to the rules for 2016. The contest has reverted to a straight 24 hours using all HF bands, excluding 160 metres, and the WARC bands, with Echolink contacts remaining valid. Multipliers will now be one point per VKZL call area worked on each HF band, Echolink, and 2 metres, as well as one point per DXY or country. For more information, email me at contest at alara.org.au. The modified rules are now on the Alara website, www.alara.org.au The contest aims to get more YLs on air and to attract as many OMs as possible. I'm Diane, VK4 Delta India, Alara Contest Manager. Thanks Diane. Also contests and activity for August we find the 1010 International Summer Contest August 6 and 7. The WIA's flagship contest, our Remembrance Variety Contest August 13 and 14. And some fun to lighten up our days, the 19th International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, August 20 and 21. This is the WIA National News Service and I'm Felix, VK for a few q with a look at DX advice. The special call sign ST0A will be operated from Khartoum, Sudan, by ST2M until the end of July. Here's QRV on 40, the 10 metres SSB. QSL directly to ST2M. QRV is HH2-HB9AMO on CW until the 26th of July from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. QSLs are being handled by M0URX. In the world of DX, be listening for a number of stations working during the IOTA contest July 30 and 31st. They include Tibor OM3RM working as IS0-OM8A from Sardinia. Send QSL cards via OM2VL. There is also Joe, IT9RZU, who will be active from the island of Sicily during the contest. Send QSLs via his home call sign, IT9RZU. Mike, IF9ZWA, will be active from Favinana Island during the contest. QSLs should be sent to his home call sign, IF9ZWA, via the Bureau only. 
And finally, Theodorus, SV1, EJD, will be active in the contest as well, but will be working as SV8, stroke SV1, EJD from Cyrus Island between July the 23rd and August the 11th. Listen for him on 80 to 6 metres where he'll be using SSB and Ritty. Curious Alvarez home call sign, SV1 EJD. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Winningham. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK6, this can be heard on HF and the linked VHF, UHF and IRLP repeater networks on Sunday morning and evening and any time on the information beacon, as well as online. Check out the details at vk6.net. I'm Andrew, Victor Kilo 6, Alpha Sierra. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW. ILLW reaches 300 registrations. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend next month has more than 300 registrations so far from 35 countries. The prestigious 300th has been made by the QSY Society K2QS for the Espios Meadows Lighthouse in the Hudson River in New York. Known as the Maid of the Meadows, the octagonal wooden tower warns mariners of the mudflats. Built in 1839 and historically listed, the QSY Society K2QS will be activating it mainly on 20 metres single sideband. South of the Hudson River down Havana Way, members of the DX Group Cuba, GDXC, Havana Contest Group HCG and an Eastern Radio Club of Havana will activate T42R from the Lighthouse Castle on the Morrow Havana CU002 Cuba NA015 during the 2016 International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend. That's on August the 20th and 21st. Yes, the fun event is held August 20th and the 21st with all registrations and the guidelines on the website illw.net. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amity Young Timers. Two young ARRL members are among more than 100 attending the Youngsters on the Air or Yota camp in the Austrian mountains. Sterling Coffee, N0SSE of St. Louis, Missouri, and Sam Rose, KC2LRC of Cycrass, New York, are the first two Americans to take part in the week-long Yota camp. Participants not only enjoy a variety of amateur radio activities, they hone their skills in electronics and contesting, as well as making new international friends. Being at a Yota is really something beyond amazing, Coffee tweeted on July the 17th. Began in 2011, Yota has grown exponentially and camps have been held in Romania, the Netherlands, Belgium, Estonia, Finland and Italy. Since the IARU Region 1 General Conference in 2014, Yota has been an official International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 activity. Open to participants ranging in age from 15 to 25, the sixth Yota in Austria was the largest ever and was the first to include young hams from the USA and Asia. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Summits of the Air 
This event is where VK1 Soda activators showcase amateur radio to the ACT community. VK1 Soda activators will brave the cold Canberra weather, ascending local and distant Soda peaks for a chance to work like-minded Soda folk around VK. The VK1 Winter Soda QSO Party is a popular event with chasers and activators alike, where Soda activators compete with chasers to earn summits to summit contact points. And now to Bumps on the Air, Boater. Yes, TV weather forecaster Jim Bacon, G3YLA, and Steve Nichols, G0KYA, activated Beeston Bump in Norfolk on Tuesday, July the 19th. Boater stands for Bumps on the Air, a wholly fictitious new organisation for radio amateurs who don't have access to real summits and mountains. The operation was on 40 metres and 20 metres QRP CW. Beeston Bump is no stranger to Morse code. Beeston Hill Y Station was a secret listing post located on the summit during World War II. The chain of Y stations were on the front line, feeding Enigma intercepts to the war offices at Bletchley Park. Worldwide special interest groups of VHF and above, the Plumber's Delight. First UK contact in the 122 GHz band. The first UK contact in the 122 GHz band took place on Sunday, July the 17th at 13.45 between Roger Ray, G8CUB-P, and Chris Whitemarsh, G0FDZ-P, both stations located at Haxpen, Wiltshire. The distance was 120 metres, and the CW reports were 599 both ways as well as signals on 134 GHz, of which only a very weak one-way QSO is possible on that band, only the merest hint of a signal on the 122 GHz band was heard. The 122 GHz band is noted for its high signal attenuation, due additionally to atmospheric oxygen as well as water vapour attenuation. The weather during the contest gave high humidity and absorption of the all millimetre wave frequencies was considered by many to be too high. Although signals over short distances were very good, an attempt will be made soon over 1.5 kilometres. Power levels were 70 microwatts for Chris, G0FDZ and 300 microwatts for Roger, G8CUB. One feature of G0FDZ system was the use of a slab-type mixer, which has been recently developed to make millimetre-wave mixers easier to construct. With a QSO being achieved on this band, it means that every allocated UK band has now had at least one contact. Well, that's it. That's all from me for this week. This is Robert VK3DN reporting from Melbourne. Rewind, a look back at our history when radio was of concern. Back when radio was still a new consumer product, with a lot to learn about the phenomenon, there were myths that had caused everything from heavy rain, droughts, to earthquakes. In the 1920s, radio was wrongly blamed as the new technology responsible for Mother Nature events. For most, new technology was a mystery, and it could easily get the wrong blame. Have things really changed with talk today that ubiquitous mobile phones and Wi-Fi cause illnesses? The October 1924 Science and Invention magazine had an article by Hugo Gernsback, and he promoted the healing power of radio. 
His thinking was that radio waves passed through the human body. Now, that's true. But to extend this to having in itself some healing properties is now a myth. In his words, if readers lived near a powerful radio station for 20 or 30 years, their body and health could benefit. How we think of new technology today is greatly different today. Or is it? Some are campaigning against all radiation, spending hours in RF shields using plug-in ionizers, and a few wear tinfoil hats in public. Let's have a look at the social scene. August 7 in VK6, it's the NCRG Hamfest. August 28 in VK2 at Summerland, the Lismore Club's Hamfest at their club rooms. September 18 in VK2, Westlake's Amateur Radio Club's Field Day. September 23-24 in VK4, Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club's AGM Weekend at Lake Maraboon Holiday Village, that's near Emerald. And September 30 to October 4, also in VK4, the Cardwell Gathering on the long weekend, this at the Beachcomber Motel. November 6 in VK5, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest, 8am start. November 26 in VK3, Rosebud Radio Fest, 9.30am till 2pm. And the Miena Hamfest, Saturday the 26th of November in VK7. And looking ahead to next year, 2017, March the 26th in VK3, it's EMDRC's Hamfest at the Great Ryrie Primary School, Heathmont. May 19. WIA's AGM at Handorf, and that's just some 25 kilometres from Adelaide. And August-September, a date to be advised, Alara Meet 2017 in Cairns. Now, till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.